We've gone through three weeks. I'm not going to recap for the sake of time. However, I would in, encourage you to jump on, jump on iTunes and get our podcast. You can go on there and, and download past sermons and check out past sermons. Um, so the first week we talked about the starting point of change. The second week was the plan for change. The third week was the process of change. Today, it's going to be the purpose of change. The purpose of change. Turn to somebody and, and say, purpose, purpose, purpose. Turn, turn to your second choice and say, purpose. I'm not sure who your second choice was, but I think that pretty much tells you they like you second best. It's what they're pretty much saying. So if they chose you second, just know G Jesus loves you, but they probably don't, okay? No. Um, the purpose of change, I don't know about you, but I like to know the why. Anyone like to know why? Like we have this deep, innate desire to know that when we're doing something or if we're doing something, why in the heck are we doing it? Like if somebody told you, I want you to take this shovel and dig and, and, and basically dig in the ground right here, the first question you'd probably ask is, why? Why, right? But what if they didn't tell you what it was? How many of you are actually going to dig? Exactly. But if they told you, yo, there's a million dollars 10 feet deep, you're calling people to come shovel with you. You're like, hey, I need you to come. And so it changed because you knew the why. Whenever you know the why, pushes you to do things, right? So I think whenever it comes to, to change, and basically the point, of, the point of this series is basically this, talking about, look, we can pray for change, pay for change. All of us want change change, but, but not a lot of us get and keep the change. And we want to get you not to only get change through Jesus Christ, but actually keep it. And part of that is knowing the why behind it, the purpose. Check it out. I think we can pretty much say, personally, the purpose of change we see as being one of two results. Some of us see the purpose of change as Pretty much it being this, the, the whole purpose of it is to make you happy. Like the whole purpose of Christ-like change is it's God's job to ultimately change us so we can be happy people. We live in the United States. It's embedded into, into our founding documents to do what? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Basically saying this, do whatever makes you feel good. As long as you ain't committing crimes, as long as you ain't killing people, as long as you ain't, you know, doing a bunch of crazy stuff, you can do whatever makes you happy. Now, what unfortunately happens is the, the values of, of a culture can get mixed in with, with the, the, the values and purpose of Christianity. Culture can get into Christ. And what ends up happening is you kind of have this kind of like meshed, pseudo-diluted gospel where basically you, you've got people saying, follow Jesus and he'll make you happy. Your life will be so much better. Just give your life up to Jesus and you're on the happy train. 
right? You've probably heard that. You've probably seen that taught. Yeah, and I mean, you have probably heard that. Just follow Jesus, and it'll make your life better. I don't, I don't know. I don't see that in Scripture. Jesus says this, I came to give you life, and life what? Abundantly. The abundant life that Jesus talks about, if you actually sink deep into Jesus' words, some of Jesus' teachings and words actually somewhat might not make you happy. I don't know if you've seen that. When it says to love your enemies, anyone here like, sign me up! I can't wait to buy someone I hate a coffee. Can't wait. Bart Scott, and I don't know if any of you guys get that. Anyway, um, can't wait, right? Like, I, I can't wait. So what culture says Christian change does, and really when you look at what the change is actually supposed to do, it's not to make us happy. Christ-like change is supposed to make us holy. And there's a huge difference between Christ making you happy and Christ making you holy. Scripture tells us this in 1 Peter 1, chapter 15. It was Peter writing to, to a, a church that he planted. He said this, be holy. He's talking about Jesus. Be holy because I am holy. Basically saying this, I want you to be where God is and to be like God is. Be holy because I am holy. Now, here's the deal. The word holy has gotten hijacked in this culture. Holy rollers. Probably heard, heard of them, right? Like, you think of holy people, you think of people that are dry, boring. They're in church nine days a week. They only wear skirts. They can't wear jeans or they're going to hell. You know, it's like, we, this word holy has been honestly hijacked and meant to mean something that it does not mean, which is boring and what I just said. Holy in scripture actually means this, set apart. Set apart, consecrated. It actually trans translates separate or to cut, basically meaning this, a cut above. A cut above, that is, that is what the biblical definition of holy means. So basically, Scripture tells us this. We're supposed to be a cut above just as Jesus, God, is a cut above. Now, I don't know about you. The process that God takes us through to get us holy is a little different than the process that God would do to make us happy. I'm a dad. I got three kids, six, three, and one. What if I said my whole goal as a parent was to make my kids happy? Their breakfast. Do you want to know what their breakfast would be? Sour Patch Kids? Coca-Cola? Uh, uh, what are those things, things called? Puffy, the, 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 those, those real puffy marshmallow things? Peeps? And then I would just probably be dumping sugar down their mouth. They'd just be like, ah! No, I would just be like... Or, and, the, and then, you know what, no school. Stay home all day. I bought you an Xbox 4, Xbox 920 or whatever it's called now. I want you to just play this all day. All day. Forget school. It's worthless. It's stupid. You don't need it. I'm here to make you happy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What? Yeah, oh, you drink water? Nope. Coke. 
Here. If my whole goal was just to make my kids happy, they would end up being miserable. So why do we always think it's God's job if he's trying to basically get us to be like him, to be holy? Why, does he, why do we just sometimes think it's our job for him to always make us happy? You know, here's the deal. I want to bless my kids. I want my kids to be blessed. I want my sons to be blessed. I want them to be awesome. But do you know what? There's a process that I'm, that I'm going to take them through. And it's not always going to make them happy. Like whenever they're being stupid. Better stop. Or you're going to go and see Jesus here in a little bit, you know. It's like, <laughs> just calm down. You know, Walmart yesterday. We had all three kids in Walmart, dinner time, going around, trying to get food, and they're hungry. Jesus, help us. Right? If we're just, just, just to make them happy, let's open up the candy, give it, give it to them, let's just do it. But no, you're going to wait for dinner. Right? We have to understand God doesn't just want us to be, God wants us to be holy and like him. And for that to happen, we've got to understand the difference because we live in a culture that tells you just be happy, do what you want. It's really true. But, but God's outcome wants to be different. He wants you to be set apart, a cut above where he's at. So we're going to explore quickly the difference between happiness and holiness and what that looks like. First off, where are my notes here? Happiness is all about you. Holiness is all about Jesus. If the purpose of your change was just to make you happy, then when what God requires and what you want collide, you'll make it about you every time. Here is a, a, a deeper question. Can the God you serve tell you no? Mm. I asked myself that question, and, and I was like, oh, Jesus, that hurt. Can the God you serve, can the Jesus that you serve tell you no? If he can't, the God you serve just might be you, not Jesus. There is just sometimes that serving God and you kind of like search scripture and you kind of look in scripture and, and, and you kind of like see what God re requires, there's going to be things in all of our lives that we're going to look at and be like, that doesn't line up. But if we take on our cultural tendency, which is, hey, you're in charge, you're the boss, you're, God's about making you happy, then what will happen is you'll conform God's word to what you want it to say. Welcome to Lifehouse Church. We're really glad you're here. We love God's word, but you know what? We also love in truth. And what I said a couple weeks back is this. We will never guilt you, shame you, condemn you. We want to let you know you're called to a greater life in Jesus. It's not always easier. It's not always better all the time, but God is interested in making us holy, not just in making us happy. And sometimes, and, and sometimes holiness requires us to take difficult words. With happiness as the goal, you'll take sin and make it fit. With holiness, sin will make you uncomfortable. Sin will make you uncomfortable. God has given every Christian a kind of like GPS system. It's called the Holy, it's called the Holy Spirit. And what that does, whenever you've got the Holy Spirit in you, working in you, changing you, and transforming you, 
working, working that process in you. What it does, whenever there's sin, whenever you, you check out God's word and you kind of start seeing, man, what I'm doing is not lining up. What it does is it's kind of like, hey, there's, it, it kind of like pokes you and prods you and basically says, hey, it's, it's time to change. It's time to, time to change. And do you know what? That is such a blessing. It is such a blessing for the Holy Spirit to, to convict and not condemn us. You know, Scripture tells us this, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If you are in Christ, whatever condemning thoughts you have are from Satan. They're not from God. God will only give you convicting thoughts, convicting feelings, not condemning thoughts, not condemning feelings. Happiness follows Jesus until even it's uncomfortable. Check it out. In John chapter 6, there was this like famous story. I think in John chapter 6, earlier in that chapter, Jesus fed the 5,000. So you got all these people that, that, that like Jesus fed them food. And I don't know if you've seen people are really, really attracted to free food. Like have you seen free donut day at Krispy Kreme? People dressing up like pirates to get a donut. It's the most insane thing. I'm like, you know you only get one donut, right? You know you don't get a dozen. <laughs> and these brothers and sisters are lining up like pirates, dressed like pirates to get a free donut. People love free, free food. You got kids dressing up as cows going to Chick-fil-A. Some adults, y'all know who you are up, up in here. We all love some free Chick-fil-A. I'll, I'll dress, I'll, I'll go in my boxer shorts if I get some free Chick-fil-A. I'm just kidding. If I get some free Chick-fil-A, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not really, but okay, no. <laughs> Depends on where it was at. <laughs> if it's in a different city, I might do it. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, John chapter 6. All right, so Jesus feeds all of these people, feeds 5,000 people, and then all these people start following him. And they're like, yo, this dude feeds us. Like, we're going to follow this guy. He goes. Like, this dude's feeding people. I'm there. Jesus, I love you. I believe in God the Father. I believe in free burritos. No, I'm, it's, like, it's like wherever Jesus is going, I'm following him because he's feeding me. And then in John chapter 6, later in that chapter, Jesus breaks out an extremely difficult teaching where Jesus says this, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. Some of y'all are like, for real, that's, that's in the Bible? Like, yes, but, but what Jesus was saying to Jesus is what? The bread of life. He was basically saying, feast on me. Feast on my teachings. Feast on what I'm giving because it is a food that you'll never be hungry with. Once you get it, it fills you. But these people took a hard teaching, and Scripture tells us this. When they heard this, they said, this is a difficult teaching. Who can understand? this. And then it says, after that, many turned and no longer followed him. And Jesus said, the, the, and, and scripture tells us that he turned to the 12 and he said, what are y'all going to do? Are y'all going to turn and unfollow me too? And they say, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. They followed him even when it was difficult, when they didn't understand because they knew ultimately the purpose of it was they were going to be like Jesus. 
And here's the thing, whenever as a Christian you encounter a teaching or you encounter something that you do not agree with, what is your reaction? Because if, if you're about happiness, you'll turn and no longer follow him. But if you are about holiness, you'll turn to him and you'll say, Jesus, I trust you, I believe you, I believe that your word is true and I'm going to follow that. Can you accept difficult teachings? Secondly, happiness is circumstantial. Holiness redeems every moment in your life. Happiness is circumstantial, but holiness redeems every moment in your life. If you were, if the purpose of change was just to make you happy, you'd be on this like roller coaster ride. Because I don't know about you, life is a roller coaster ride. You've got ups, you've got downs, you've kind of got just like blah points. But if you're constantly on this, God just wants to make you happy. Whenever something happens that you don't like, you'll be, oh, God hates me. Well, what did I do wrong? Did I do something wrong? Is God against me? What's going on, God? We can get in this mindset. But if you're about holiness, you know Romans 8.28 to be true, that says this, all things work to the good of those who love God and have been called according to his purpose. Basically saying all things work to the good. Now, now let's be real. Not all things are good, right? Don't, do not confuse that. Just, just because God said that, that he takes all things and makes it work for our good does not mean that all things that happen to us are good. There's a lot of things that are terrible. A lot of things that are just heartbreaking, soul-crushing, spirit-quenching. Spirit and it'll leave us always, it'll sometimes always leave us asking why. If we are just about happiness, we'll always ask and stay on this question, why is this happening to me? But when you say, God, you're not in this to make me happy. You are in this to make me holy. Do you know what your question eventually goes to? Jesus, how can you make me more like you through this? Get that. Holiness says, how are you making me more like you, Jesus, through this situation? Happiness just says, God, why is this happening? We have a, a, a couple in our church, John and Jan Cameron. I'm not sure if they're here. I think I saw them earlier. I'm not sure if they're here. They're, they're sitting right over there. Everyone say, hey, John and Jen. Um, you know, man, you would see them, and they're sweet and nice, and they'll, like, hug you as you walk in the door, and Jen is just bubbly and happy and, and awesome, and John's big and strong, and don't mess with them. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, he's, he's a super nice, nice guy. And it would be easy just to kind of, like, look at them. And, and honestly, you know how we kind of, like, tight cast people? You know, guys, we're especially good at kind of like seeing some other guy and being like, all right, about 5'10", 175 pounds, hair, clothes. Yeah, he probably makes about 75 grand a year. Probably divorced. Probably got three kids. Wedding ring on. Oh, he's single. I'm like, you know, it's, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's kind of like guys and girls, we're good at kind of sizing people up and, and kind of getting a tight-casted role of what we think that person is, right? So I think if you were to tight-cast them, most of us would probably say, oh, man, they've had a wonderful life. They've always lived Christian. It, it, it's always been, woo-hoo-hoo. Thank you, Jesus. But um, 
you would probably never know the, the back in 2007, their, their, their 15-month-old son, Carter, died. He, um, he had a, a genetic disease that they didn't know about at the time, and suddenly he just passed. Um, the autopsy didn't show really any reason for his death. Two years later, they celebrated the birth of a baby boy named, named Silas. He was, he was born prematurely, but up to about 18 months old, hit all of his benchmarks. He kind of grew and became strong. 18 months in, they kind of to start of see some of the same stuff happening with their son Silas. And, and so they took him to the, to the, the Dr. E.R., and basically, the, the same thing that Carter had, they realized that Silas had. He went into a coma, suffered multiple organ failures and a traumatic brain injury, and, and, as, a, and, and as a result, in four months in the PICU, the doctors told them that he was terminal. And the, and the, basically, he had between 0 and 12 months to live. And they sent him home on, on hospice care. Now, thankfully, over six, over six years from that diagnosis, um, Silas, Silas's organs have been restored. His brain has, has regained some, func- some, some functionality. Neurologically, he is like a newborn that smiles. He has been discharged from hospice care, and he is still severely disabled and requires 24-7 nursing care, but he is happy. Now, I have kids. Many of you, you probably have kids. And hearing that, hearing that story, like just, just tight casting them, it would be easy to lighten them. But you don't know the pain they've been through. You don't know the hurt they've been through, the sleepless nights that they've been through, the times where they've probably been up, like I know I would be, probably yelling, screaming at God, what the heck, why me? Why us? Not just once, but twice. And let's just be honest, we would look at them and we would say, we don't blame you at all. Because I don't know what I would say if, you know what, I got three boys. If, if what happened to them happened to me that I would, I don't, I don't who knows if I'd be even serving Jesus. Because I know people that have been in their exact same spot that have said this Jesus thing is a load of garbage, I'm out. How could any God do this to anybody? And they basically hang on that one question of why did this happen? But what I love about them is they're in church. They have said, we're going to take the pain that has happened because God is not about just making us happy. God's about making us holy. And by God's grace, they have switched from saying, God, why? To God, how can you use this to make me more like you? And that's the key. 
Holiness says, God, I'll go through anything. I won't always understand. I won't always be happy. I probably won't always say the right things. But holiness knows that God can and will redeem anything that's happened in your life. Your pain, your failure, your hurts, your worst, your deepest and darkest sins. If you let him, he will redeem it. This coming life group semester, John and Jen, they're going to be leading a small group for us, a, a life group for us called God's Grace is Greater. And I don't think there's anyone more better to lead that. And I just want to encourage you, if you've been through something that you feel is so deep and so dark that maybe you might be still on that question, God, why did this happen? I want to encourage you to join that group. Because you all, you will have a community and a family and somebody that can say the two most powerful words, me too. There's something powerful whenever we hear someone else say those words, me too. It's like there's this instant bond, like, man, on Tuesday, I met a stuttering guy. I said, bro, I stuttered too. And we were like brothers, like... We were like 1% meeting 1%. We were brothers. I was giving them hugs. I was like, dude, you know my struggle. I know your struggle. We're in this struggle together. Like, dude, we know what it's like. And that's the power of life groups is getting into community and finding somebody that can say to you, me too. Have you ever seen girls whenever this happens? I dated him. Me too. Let's hate him. You know, it's like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't do that that's the wrong life, life life group the haters small group never gonna happen here okay but check it out though like that's what life groups do they put you in the place put you in a community put you in the atmosphere where you can find those people that say me too maybe you are a single father maybe you are a single mother maybe you are dealing with some certain addiction maybe you're dealing with some sort of big life, some big life issue. Whatever you're going through, find a group that works for you. Go online, theaterchurchnn.com, click on connect and sign up for a group. Get into groups so you can say, me too. Maybe you have a struggling marriage. I think all of us would probably say, even my, my wife and I, we're not always struggling, but we go through struggling seasons where it's not always roses. It's not always 70 degrees and sunny. It's not always San Diego. Sometimes it's in, I don't know, Russia, you know, it's like cold and dark, you know. <laughs> Love you, babe. Uh, <laughs> me too. But holiness says I'm going to redeem every moment of my life. And God promises, Romans 8, 28, if you allow him to, he'll take it and make it work for your good. But it's your choice. How long are you going to hold on to the pain? But I'm telling you, whenever you release it and you say, Jesus, how is this going to make me more like you? God will take it and make it work for your good and for your holiness. Third, Mike, you can go ahead and come on up, brother. Thirdly, happiness views God as a genie. Holiness sees God 
as the purpose. Happiness, I'm telling you what, what I have seen is that people, if they view God as being some sort of like means to an end, right? Because some people serve God just to get the stuff that God gives. It's like they serve him, they're like, okay, if I serve Jesus, he's going to give me money, he's going to give me a blessing, he's going to give me this, and he's going to give me that. And, and I'm not saying that some, that some, you know, hey, here's the bottom line. Reap what you sow, right? We believe that principle. We believe that to be true. But at the same time, if you serve God just to get what, what God gives, when he doesn't give you what you want, you'll curse him. The parable of the prodigal son. You had two sons. It's the tale of two sons. One son, scripture says, he, he, he gave his inheritance to, and his son went out and spoiled it and was wild living, went to Las Vegas and, and gambled all of his money away, slept with a bunch of women, and all of his inheritance from his father was gone. And scripture says he wanted to come back. And, and scripture says when, when his father saw him coming back and he saw him from, from a, a distance, the father ran to him. And that's what God does, does to us whenever we're far off. He's not running from you. He's running to you. Whenever you are trying to, to get from God, God ain't running from you. God's running towards you. So whenever you turn around and, and come back to him, he's coming after you. Because God is always pursuing us. Because he, he, he loves you. But check it out. The oldest son, the eldest son, the one that was working in the father's house, you know, doing all the right stuff. Whenever he, he saw his father give grace to this son who went and squandered everything, scripture tells us the oldest son got angry. He got mad. He said, I've served you all these years and you never once gave me a party. You never once killed a calf. You never once did, did what you did for him for me. And what that showed, it showed he was in the father's house, but he didn't have the father's heart. Because his heart was for lost people. His heart was for those that were far off. And what his brother should have been doing is, thank God my brother's back. Father, how can I help you throw a party for him? But do you know what? The oldest son, he had kind of this like mindset of, I'm in the father's house so I can get the father's stuff. If I don't get the father's stuff, well, I've just been slaving away. Just slaving away. But I'm telling you, God wants to make you holy. He doesn't want to make you happy. And if you just feel him as being happy, you'll just see him as being a genie that if you just kind of rub the right way, he'll give you what you want. But holiness says, do you know what? I'm in this thing not to get stuff. I'm in it to get God. I'm in it to be like him. Who cares what I have? Who cares what happens to me? The bottom line is all this stuff, Romans 8, 29, says that the purpose of us being being chosen is to conform us into the image of his son which is Jesus so the whole point of this the whole point of life the whole point of issues the whole point of trials the whole point of triumphs the whole point of all of life I'm telling you this right now is for you to conform and be like Jesus and some of you are going to have different roads some of you are going to have here's the we all get dealt different cards is this truth some of you get dealt into kind of a real you know Come on, John, spit it out. Affluent, there you go. Affluent community. Some of you, not so much. Some of you had great parents. Some of you had scumbags. Some of you had one parent. Some of you had two. 
Some of you had brothers. Some of you had sisters. Some of you, some of you you've, you've had people die. Some of you have it. Like we've all got different stories and backgrounds and things here, but that doesn't change the ultimate purpose for all of us, which is to conform to the image of God's Son found in Jesus Christ. And if you miss that, you miss the point of Christianity. Seriously, you literally miss the big E on the eye chart. Like you're blind, you need glasses. You miss Jesus. Don't get sucked into this United States Christianity that will try to draw you in and say, serve God, he'll give you what you want. He'll make you happy. Forget that. That's second best. Say, God, I'm gonna serve you. I'm gonna go on this journey. I know it might make me uncomfortable. There are gonna be times you're gonna have to tell me no. There is gonna be times where I'm not gonna understand and I'm gonna be asking why, but by your grace, I'll transition to how is this gonna make me like you? And it's all about him. Can we all stand up today?